Thank you, Jamie. I'll tell you what, the Lord uh, blesses us so good to have Jamie and Scott, some of our newest members here at EBC, uh, tell folks all the time. It's like uh, God just keeps sending us talented people. We are, we are blessed in that way. Thank you for that testimony and song. Thank you for being here again today. So, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, later this week, you know, millions of people will gather all over the United States. They'll, they'll come together, you know, with close friends and family members to celebrate this holiday. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, this, this, this American incredible holiday that we call Thanksgiving. You know, they'll, they'll gather around tables and they'll offer uh, words of thanks for the food and for their families and, and for their, their blessings, and, and that is good. I mean, it's good. We, as a culture, we should have a day set aside to actually give thanks. God's people have been doing that for thousands of years, as far back as Old Testament days. We, we need to express gratitude. We need to be a thankful people. It's good to do that. Because hopefully as we do that, we won't stop with simply acknowledging the blessings. You know, hopefully um, as we give thanks, we'll, we'll take a few minutes and, and we'll also give thanks for the God who gives us those blessings, right? Because God is, is not just a blessing to us, He is the provider of all the other blessings that we have. So hopefully we'll take a few minutes and we'll, and we'll give thanks for that because our blessings did not materialize out of thin air, right? They do have a source, and the source of our blessings, indeed, that is, that is God. So when we take time to give thanks for all the things that we have in there, hopefully somewhere in there we actually offer thanks to the one and for the one who gave us those blessings. You see, the Bible tells us, it tells us over and over again to be thankful. Uh, First Chronicles Chapter 16 and verse 34, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm chapter 7 and verse 17, I will give thanks to the Lord because of His righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. That's what we've been doing this morning. We've been singing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. And these are just a few. You see, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be thankful, not just for one day out of the year, we're called to be thankful for every day, thankful every day out of the year. Our entire Christian lives should be built on a foundation of gratitude. The, the choices that we make, the, the things that we do, the lives that we live, all of those things should be fueled by a spirit of gratitude that's within us. So it's good. It's good that we set aside a day to be a little extra thankful, okay? It's good when we build time into our schedules to remind ourselves uh, that no matter how bad it is, no matter how difficult life is, no matter how much things change, we can still be thankful. So I like Thanksgiving, okay? I, I like Thursday, okay? Uh, if only I could get to Thursday and then hit pause and stop there. You know, if I, could, if I could hit pause on my 
attitude, if I could hit pause on my emotions and, and my desires, if I could hit pause on my level of contentment, the level of contentment that I have on Thursday, and just stay there until the Thursday of uh, Thanksgiving the next year. If I could do that, that would be good. I'd be living the exactly, I'd be exactly living the kind of life God wants me to live. But the truth is, not, that's not what happens, is it? Because what happens after Thursday comes Thursday night, right? Thursday night and Friday, where, where we chase the bargains, and we chase the sales, and we chase the deals, and we, and we chase things that until we saw the ad in the newspaper, we didn't even know we needed, right? We needed to chase. So you, you see how that works? It's, it's like our, our spiritual enemy has set it up in such a way that if we're not careful in our hearts, as quickly as Thursday turns into Thursday night and Friday, gratitude is consumed with desire. Contentment is consumed with materialism. And we go into the Christmas season with, with that on our hearts. During the time of year when we should be the most grateful for what God has done for us, for the gift that God has given us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Instead, we're consumed with our own desires. We're consumed with our own need for more. And friends, that is not of God. Look at what happens if we live our entire lives that way, as some people certainly do. Check out Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. It'll be up here on, on the screen. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Romans, and he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, all these things have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they're without excuse. In other words, God has revealed himself to mankind. But look what happens. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Even though they knew God, even though they knew about God, even though in the depth of their being they had to understand that there was truly a God, they did not honor Him or give thanks. You see, that's where it all starts. We complain about the brokenness of this society that we live in, but the fact is all the twistedness of this world, all the brokenness of this world, all these things that we complain about and that we mourn about our culture, all the problems of this life, it all starts with that failure to be thankful, with that tendency to be so preoccupied with ourselves that we lose sight of what it's all about. And so you see, gratitude is huge. And a lack of gratitude, that is a huge problem for the human condition. And so the question is, how do we keep from going there? How do we, how do we keep from giving in to uh, materialism that, that so consumes people in our day? How do, we, how, do we, how do we keep from giving up a gratitude, the gratitude that we have on Thursday, and letting that shift until the discontent that we have on Friday? Well, I'm glad you asked, okay? Because, because this, this is a huge answer. You see, our gratitude, our thankfulness, is not centered on what we have. It's not centered on our possessions. Maybe you have a nice house or a nice car or a nice family or nice friends in your life. Listen, if that's the case, that's awesome. But let's just be real. 
Okay, because, because where will you be when that time comes that your living situation changes? Or you have to move down in car, or your, or your kids grow up or, and they move away, or your friends that you have now grow distant. Because those moments do come, right? What happens then? Does the gratitude that we have stop? No, of course not. Not if you're a follower of Jesus. Because you see, if you are a Christian, our gratitude is not centered on our stuff. For the follower of Jesus, our gratitude is centered on our shepherd. You say, what? What do you mean, shepherd? Because you see, that's what, or should I say, that's who I want to talk to you about this morning. You see, no matter what the situation of your life is like this morning, you can have gratitude. No matter how full your wallet is, no matter how empty your wallet may be, you can have gratitude because, friend, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a good shepherd in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, well, well what do you mean? Well, let me, let me invite you to look with me again at this passage of Scripture that we read earlier, John chapter 10. Specifically, we're going to look at John 10, verses 1 through 21, uh, that Brother Tommy read for us earlier. This, this passage is really timely for us because it's here that we see everything that Jesus Christ is to us, everything that he has done for us. And if you can wrap your head around everything that Jesus really is, you will never, I repeat, you will never be without a reason to have gratitude in your life. And, and your life will begin to come together like, like you never thought possible, if you can wrap your mind around this. So, what is this gratitude? What does it mean to have gratitude for the Good Shepherd? First, we're grateful that we have a Good Shepherd who leads us. So we have to get this out of the way first. You see, having a shepherd, having someone to guide us, having someone to lead us, having someone to walk with us, having, having someone who is good, having that kind of shepherd in our lives is an incredibly good thing. Now, hear me out. I, I know that there are plenty of people who don't recognize that. I know that there are plenty of people who, who simply don't want to acknowledge any authority of any kind outside of themselves. Maybe that's you. Listen, I get it. I get that the reason a lot of people don't want a shepherd, a leader in their life, is because their experience with shepherds has been, well, less than stellar, okay? Maybe there was a pastor who let you down. Or maybe it was a parent or a teacher or some other authority figure. Maybe your experience with a leader, with a shepherd in your life, with a religious leader, maybe your experience has been downright horrible. I know that there are people who pose as shepherds, who belittle God's people. There have been, there have been those who have abused God's people. There have been those who have done deplorable things to God's people. So again, I get it. Nothing will set you against authority like having authorities that stink at being authorities, authorities that betray your trust, okay? But that's why Jesus distinguishes himself from that kind of authority. Look at the first three verses here again. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Okay, the first five verses, I just couldn't stop, right? All right, so recently I read about a seminary class that spent a, uh, a semester trying to figure out what, which truth in the Bible, in the New Testament, is emphasized more than any other truth there. You know what, you know what topped the list? It was warnings about false teachers. See, there are plenty of false teachers all throughout the New, New Testament. During that day and age, there were tons of false teachers as the gospel was coming together, as people were figuring out what it was that Jesus did for them. But you know what? There are still plenty of false teachers today. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that every pastor or every ministry leader who does a, a boneheaded thing is, is a false teacher. I'm not saying that, okay? But I will say that there are plenty of people who enter the ministry and their purpose in ministry is not to benefit the people of God. It's not to love the people of God. It's not to lead the people of God to grow faithfully into the likeness of Jesus. No, there are plenty of people, men and women, who their only aim is to rob God's people, to take advantage of God's people, and as Jesus says later on in this passage, to destroy God's people. It's true. Why? Because that's the aim of our enemy. Our enemy wants to destroy us, and our enemy often uses men and women who pose as true believers to cause destruction in the church. They know the Bible, they teach the Bible, or at least a version of the Bible, and that gets them an audience. But what they teach and what they do do not lead people toward godliness. Instead, it leads them toward destruction. But we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd in Jesus. Amen? We have a good shepherd in Jesus. Now, how do we know that? Because after all, there are, there are plenty of people who say other things about Jesus. So how do we know that Jesus is a good shepherd? Well, he tells us right here. He came through the door. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, to understand what Jesus is talking about here, you have to, you have, to have a mental picture of, 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 of a sheepfold in that day. You see, every, every village where sheep were a major commodity, uh, this, was, this was a really common thing. They would have this, this, this common walled-in area where every night the different shepherds would, would all bring their sheep, okay? And there was, there was one door to this, to this walled-in area, and the doorkeeper would, would guard that door by laying across it, making sure that you know, wild animals or robbers couldn't get in there to harm the sheep or to steal the sheep. And in the morning, the shepherds would return after a good night's sleep, and the, and the doorkeeper would open the door to them, and then they would call their sheep out, and they would lead them to pasture during the day. And this would happen, this would happen most every night. And, and what Jesus is saying here is that he came the right way. He came through the door that was open. He came through the door that was anticipated for centuries. The door that John the Baptist preached about way back when we started this series in John chapter 1. Here in a few weeks, we're, a couple of weeks, we're going to look at, 
at a few of, of those Old Testament passages that promise things about the Messiah centuries before he was born. It's a Christmas series I'm working on that's going to help us get an idea about what Jesus' coming meant and what it means for us today. But here's what you'll find if you start looking okay, for prophecies that Jesus fulfilled You'll find a lot of them, a whole lot of them, as in hundreds of them. In fact, it can be kind of overwhelming. I had a tough time narrowing this series down to four messages, but, but, but what's the point? The point is that Jesus is the only person to fulfill everything that the Old Testament pointed to. The only one. He's the shepherd, the only shepherd that entered by the door. So let me encourage you. Don't abandon this shepherd. Don't leave this shepherd that was anticipated for thousands of years before he was, before he was born, that came to redeem your life. Don't, antis, don't, uh, don't abandon this only access you have to God because you've had a, a bad experience with another shepherd. It could be that that pastor, that ministry leader was a false teacher, someone that completely misrepresented who Jesus was. Or it could be that that pastor or ministry leader was like this pastor. Someone who tries to do right. Someone who tries to, to lead you well. Someone who tries to lead you to Jesus, but someone who very often makes mistakes. Someone who is definitely not Jesus. So don't mistake either one of those kind of shepherds as good. There are those who are out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Friend, I'm not one of those, but I'm not good either, okay? Not all the time. Jesus is good. Jesus is the good shepherd. And we can depend on him. We can trust him. We can listen for his voice in the teaching of those who stand before us. And we will recognize it when we hear it. And we will follow. And we should be grateful for that. We're grateful that we have a good shepherd who leads us. Amen. Second, if you want to maintain a spirit of gratitude well beyond Thanksgiving into the next seasons that are coming, we, we should be grateful that our shepherd offers to give us life. We're grateful that our shepherd offers to give us life. Take a look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. And so Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus shifts gears here a little bit. He, he was first the good shepherd who enters through the door, but now he's the door, okay? He's the access. He's, he's the way for the sheep to find life. There's no, there's no conflict here. It's just a different application of the same metaphor, okay? But notice this. Jesus is the only way. He's the only door. He didn't say, I'm a door. He didn't say, I'm, I'm one access point among many. I, I say this a lot, but, but I have to because this perspective is becoming less and less common in our culture today. There are people that you work with 
Students, there, there are people that you go to school with, certainly not all of them, but maybe some of your teachers and your professors, this, this is their perspective. They'll say, well, listen, it, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. We're all on different paths to the same God. Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, they're, they're, they're all about the same. The only problem is they're not. They're just not. Jesus is the only Christ. He is the only Messiah. He is the only promised one. He is the only Savior of the Jewish people. He is the only Son of God. He's the only second person of the Trinity. We see this, but not just here in John 10. We see this all over the Gospel of John. We've been in this study for almost a year now. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 14.6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Not just as a church, although certainly that's true. Apart from Jesus Christ, as individuals, as the human race, no matter how much so-called success we build up on this side of eternity, no matter how much praise we earn from other broken people, really, apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. Anything. Because apart from Him, we don't have life. Jesus came to give us life and and friend, life, real life, is, is just this. It's, it's knowing Jesus. Friend, the, the message of John, really the, the message of, of the entire Bible is this. If you want to have life, you have to have Jesus. Not just knowledge of Jesus, not just, just some half-hearted event of your past. If we're going to have life, we have to have Jesus. We have to be consumed by him. Friend, Jesus is offering that to you today. And if you know Jesus, if you've received this life, you know how good of a thing it is. You, you won't understand it if you don't have it, of course, but, but trust us when we tell you this. If you had this life, you would be grateful. Grateful. We're grateful because we have a good shepherd who leads us. We're grateful that our shepherd offers us Offers us, to give, offers us to give his life. And third, we're grateful that our shepherd gave up his life for us. This is how he gives us life. Look at verse 11 again. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who's not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Jesus says it. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that, they may so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. I mean, there's so much here. Really, I could, 
I should do a, a whole sermon just on these verses, okay? But, but really, we've covered a lot of this already. Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd. Again, verse 12, there are those who are not good shepherds. There are those who are, as Jesus says here, hired hands or hirelings. You see, there's a difference between shepherds and hired hands. Shepherds know their sheep. Shepherds love their sheep. In many ways, their sheep are like pets to them, okay? There's, there's personal interest there. I've got an old college buddy who lives up in Middle Tennessee who works with sheep, and he, he uses uh, social media to talk about all the implications that exist when the Bible talks about a, our Lord being our shepherd. And there's a, there's a lot of that, but, but the bottom line is there's personal interest there. That's not how it is with a hired hand. A hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. They just want a paycheck. Some of you guys understand this. You're not a shepherd, but you have, you have cars, right? And you're that way about your cars. That's why you change the oil in your car, right? You rotate the tires, okay? You do all the maintenance. That's why you wash your car and you wax your car. You take care of, of it yourself because you know your car. You love your car. And you're not going to let some snot-nosed teenager at a detail shop touch your car, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? what it is between a shepherd and a sheep. Now let me be clear, anyone or anything that clamors for your attention before Jesus, that person or that thing is a hired hand. That person is not there to serve you or to bless you or do anything for you. A hired hand wants to do nothing more but use you. But Jesus, Jesus Christ gave up his life for you. Jesus suffered and bled and died for you. He laid down his life for you. Nobody took his life from him. He gave up his life voluntarily. How do we know? Because he took it back up again. Some of you are following around hired hands. Hired hands of personal pleasure and comfort. Hired hands of financial gain. Hired hands of bad relationships. Even good relationships. Even, even your husband and your wife. Even your family can be a hired hand if it doesn't take the right position in your life. Your husband's probably a great husband, but he's a terrible God. Your wife is probably a wonderful wife, but she is a terrible God. Your children, I'm sure, are blessed. I mean, the Bible says children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are, they're an incredible blessing, but they are terrible gods. Dear friend, Jesus Christ is the only one who is worthy of that kind of devotion in our lives. He is the only one who is worthy of that kind of praise. And yes, he is the only one worthy of that kind of gratitude. I wonder, do you have that gratitude? Do you know Jesus Christ this way? The good news is that if you don't, you can. My challenge to you, church, is as Thanksgiving rolls around this Thursday, don't let your expressions of gratitude be fully centered on your stuff. Yes, be grateful for however God has blessed you. But overriding all of those things, church, let folks know what you're most grateful for. And let folks know the object of your thanksgiving. The object of your thanksgiving 
is your shepherd who leads you, who walks with you, who died for you, and who loves you. Let me invite you, if you will, to bow your head and close your eyes with me. I recognize that in this big of a group of folks, there's more than likely at least one person here who, who really, you're just not feeling that gratitude. And the reason you're not is because there's never really been a time when you've received the gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given it all to Jesus and just said, Look, Lord, you're, you're my Lord. You're my shepherd. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. There's, there's never been that time for you. And because of that, that spirit of gratitude doesn't rest in your heart and your life. It's circumstantial. Dear friend, if that's you, I would invite you to let Jesus Christ into your life today. Jesus doesn't, he's not interested in taking a part-time residency in your life. He wants all of you. And his word promises that if we seek him with all of our heart, he will come in and we'll have fellowship with him and we can know him and we can be filled with gratitude that, that just doesn't make sense to those who don't know him. And so if that's you, what we're going to do here in a minute, we're going to have what we call a time of invitation. We do this every Sunday and uh, what this time of invitation means is that uh, at the I'm going to pray here in a moment, and when I finish praying, uh, we're going to invite anyone who needs to make a decision for Jesus Christ uh, to come. Uh, there are a variety of decisions you can make. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the, the main thing I want to ask of you is, is would you be willing to give your life to Jesus Christ? Uh, we're going to have counselors. As soon as I say amen, we're all going to stand up. Those counselors are going to make their way down the aisle. If you need to get things right with God, that's what you need to do. You need to follow those counselors down here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll pair you up with somebody, and they will talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus. I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but it does mean that you're recognizing that Jesus Christ is your authority, and you want to do your best to follow him and live in obedience to him for the rest of your life. But we'll pair you up with somebody. They'll walk you through that. It may be that you're here today, and, and you know Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with, uh, with him, and you are grateful for that. But maybe there's someone that God has placed on your heart who doesn't. And maybe this week, uh, on Thanksgiving, and whatever time your family gathers around, maybe you're going to see that person. And maybe today you need, to, you need to just pray during this invitation that you'll be given an opportunity uh, to share the gospel with that person, to just share why it is that you have the gratitude that you have in your heart. Gratitude. It is a powerful motivator when it comes to living lives of obedience to our Lord Jesus and when it comes to sharing what Jesus Christ has done with us. My prayer is, Christian, that your gratitude will be renewed today. Jesus Christ died for you. Let's not take that for granted. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the joy that it is to be here.
We thank you for the joy that it is to know you and to walk with you. We know, Lord, that we do not deserve to have that kind of fellowship with you. But we also know that in your grace, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for us, to give up his life for ours so that we can know you. But not only that, Lord, you've, you've given us your Holy Spirit to, to lead us and to guide us in the decisions that we make in this life. You've given us a shepherd. Lord, I pray that if there's one person here who's, who's been deceived or who's been let down by, by some so-called under-shepherd in the past, some religious leader, I pray, Lord, that you would not allow that, that betrayal to, to interfere with their relationship with you, to, that would keep them from coming to know you, Lord, because we know that not everyone who calls themselves a shepherd is truly a shepherd. Help us to have discernment, Lord, among those who lead us. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here who doesn't know you, you would give him or her the the courage to abandon everything and receive you today. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.